Hey everybody, welcome back to the Way Ramen Podcast. In today's episode, I sit down and have a conversation with Andre Key, a 20-year-old ramen cook from Perth, Australia. Now, Andre and I had been talking a little bit on Instagram before I invited him on, but I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, he's 20. How much could he possibly know about making ramen? Well, turns out he knows a lot, like a hell of a lot about making ramen. And this conversation was exactly the kind of conversations I dreamed about having on this podcast. This episode is the episode for ramen nerds. Andre goes deep into making tares, soups, noodles, all of the things that he's experimenting with. It's an awesome listen if you're a true ramen nerd. And having this conversation with him, it made me really feel like I'm not all alone in this world. You know, there's people just like me out there who are just as obsessed about trying to get better at making ramen at home. I really think you guys are going to enjoy this conversation with Andre as much as I did when I was recording it. And if you haven't heard about him until now, well, now you know him. Go follow him on Instagram. He's doing great stuff in Australia. So without further ado, here is Andre Key. So thanks so much for uh, joining me for the podcast. Uh, yeah, I really I'm really it. excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> you are Super uh, nervous. You, this is my first podcast ever. You are officially my first Australian guest, but it's, oh, it looks like I'm going to have many more because I got some questions from fellow Australians, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of my friends, because I posted the the Instagram story, I had a question box, and I, yeah. I had a few of my friends put some questions in. So yeah, we're cool. All excited so, for our hour of fame. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess could you introduce yourself first of all, who you are, where you're from, and and can we go right into like what got you into making ramen? All right. So um, my name's Andre. I live in Perth, Australia. I've been here since I was about four years old. I'm originally from Hong Kong. My family's from Hong Kong, but uh, yeah. My, I, I guess with ramen, my first experience with ramen probably was when I was about four years old, when I was in Tokyo. And I, I still remember it. I was so young. I, I, I barely remember anything else. But I remember eating this bowl of ramen and just remembering like, oh, it's like, this is umami. You know, this is, this is flavor. Like, it's, it's a very distinct food memory that, that's very recurrent from my childhood. And I guess I kind of forgot about that for a long time. And then I started working in a ramen shop about April last year. I worked there for about a year or so. I was just a front of house, you know, like waiter, but I, I got a lot of access into looking at how, how the ramen kitchen works, how, how, because most ramen shops are quite small. And then the shop that I worked in was very small. So it was very, it, it replicated the, the Japanese ramen shops to a pretty good extent, like, you know, the very packed, you know, outside super packed. There's always a queue outside, you know. So I, I got a lot of experience with that, and it was a very, um, very focused menu, and um, that's that's very um typical of like you know kotawari movement in Japan. What style so, of ramen was that shop serving? Oh, so that was a that was a tonkotsu ramen. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, um, that, tonkotsu ramen was probably like the first the first ramen that I was ever really exposed to. And that was the bowl that I had when I was four years old. Wow! So, because it's super impactful, you know. It's it's really uh-huh. it's pretty easy for the for palate that's not very familiar with Japanese food to understand it and appreciate it compared to something that's a little bit more subtle, a bit more complex, such as mm-hmm. like shoyu or shio. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, since then I I just one day I just decided like oh I want to make ramen, and I kind of like looked at oh what do they do at do at work and I, oh that looks pretty cool. And then I just started doing it. Like, I, I think my first bowl was like a tori python. Uh-huh. Uh, it wasn't very good, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's very, very typical of most guys. Like I, I remember talking to Ramen Lord and he was, he was telling me about his first bowl and it wasn't very, his wasn't very good either, but you know, you, you improve, you learn, you learn more. And yeah, everyone's just on that journey, I guess. 
every single person I've talked to so far said their first bowl was terrible. And I think Mike yeah. said that his first six years was terrible, but I don't really know if I believe that. Six yeah. years seems like kind of a long time. That's really cool. Yeah. And for people that don't know, you're you're only 20 years old. And so it's yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm almost I, I, double your age. Literally, I'm almost really I'm nearly double your age. Yeah. And so uh, I'm 37. So close, pretty close. Yeah. So um, when did you start making ramen? A couple of years ago. Yeah. So the first, first, maybe the first time I ever attempted, there was like a, a shop that opened up here where I live. And I went there super excited because I had eaten ramen in Japan and, you know, in other places like Tonkotsu sure. ramen and things. And uh, I tasted it and I was so disappointed, you know, because <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, ramen shops aren't really that great. And I was like, I, I can do better than this at home. You know, like I felt pretty confident. Like, yeah, it was just terrible like i was like oh my yeah. god it's it's really hard it's a lot harder than i thought mm. it was that's yeah, really that's, cool that's a, yeah that's a very common thing it's because <laughs> japanese food there's there's so many ingredients that are very specifically tailored to elevating umami you know yeah. so you've got you've got your things like you've got your kombu you've got your katsuobushi you've got your niboshi you know that those are very common mm -hmm. and and kind of what i've started doing is I've started adapting my own cultural heritage and adding that in. So like in Chinese cooking, there's a lot of, you know, there's dried shrimps, there's like dried scallops. And I started using that in my tare, you know, and it's just, it's just about learning and understanding your ingredients and just trying to adapt them. And, you know, like the most important part is having fun and like really just getting to enjoy your ramen. That's, that's the end goal, right? You're actually in Perth, which is like, you know, the West, Western Australia. And I, the only reason yeah. I know that is because my business does a lot of, there's a lot of my business that I'm currently running with my friends. Um, that's not ramen related. We do have a lot of fans and customers in Australia and from both sides of Australia. Sure. But I think most Americans have no idea where Perth is and how, you know, separated <laughs> it is from like Sydney and Melbourne yeah. and everything like that yeah. on the other yeah. side of the yeah. country. So how, how easy is it for you to get these ingredients to make ramen, you know, these Japanese ingredients? Mm, so I do have a, few, a couple Japanese shops around mm -hmm. in, in my area. So there's, there's one, there's one place that's re reasonably close to the city and they've got quite a good selection of, of Japanese ingredients. So I, I can get all my, my umami ingredients, you know, like my, my kombu, my katsubushi, my niboshi. I, I can get my, I can get my soy sauce. I can get my mirin. Mm -hmm. Like there's some, there's some, yeah, like there's a pretty good selection. So I haven't, I've, one big issue is that because there's probably a little bit less demand for have you have you looked for the like the fit cut katsubushi like there's some there's some there's certain um ingredients that are not so in demand uh -huh. because there's there's not so much like i guess yeah not many people do this kind of thing at home yeah so yeah. so there's there's a few ingredients that i can't really get a hold of and i was talking to ramen board about it as well and yeah he <laughs> he, he just i i think he his his solution was to smuggle it in. So, <laughs> that, so that might be um, my next step. My have yeah. to break a couple laws. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so rough. They, they inspect everything too. And as far as like, even for me, where I am, like I have no Asian grocery store here. Well, really? The, in, in Hawaii, like the average grocery store in Hawaii is more like an Asian grocery store compared to like the mainland US or other European countries. So we do have a lot of ingredients just at our normal grocery store, but you know, like katsubushi and things like that, it's pretty hard to get like specific really? things. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get, go about sourcing like your bones and your things like that when you're making ramen? Oh, well, there's a lot of butchers actually. I, there's many, many like quite good, like uh -huh. 
artisan butchers. So like they they'll they'll have like the really like they break down their own their own animals. Oh, you know, nice. like I can I can I can pick my my bones. Like I, if I want like a stewing hen, I can get that. Nice. If I want if I want pork bones, I can get that. But I haven't really made tonkotsu yet. But huh. yeah, like I, there's there's a lot of butchers around. So it's I haven't really run into a problem per se with the with like the meat aspect. Mm-hmm. He's like Australians love meat. You know, like we we can get it. You know? <laughs> it's the stereotypical like barbecue kind of stuff, or you know, I see oh, that all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, throw a shrimp on the barbie, despite no one <laughs> ever actually saying that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like I haven't run into any problems. Is is there a lot of um issues getting bones in Hawaii? Well, it's just it's not in Hawaii in general. It's just the specific island that I live on. It's a really small island, uh, so. Yeah, we have like, there's like a pork farm here, but I haven't tried to contact them directly to get bones. But yeah, it's been pretty rough for me to get. So I would love to do more tonkotsu stuff, but it's just so hard to get the pork bones. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about how you're trying to incorporate more like Chinese style umami components into it. Yeah. In Hawaii, we have this, um, I don't know if you saw my latest video, but I talked about it briefly. In Hawaii, we, we, we all grew up in Hawaii eating this style of ramen called saimen. Yeah, which I know is actually that. yeah, yeah. So it's more. It's actually more. It's basically if you took Chinese soups and um, Japanese style ramen and you mix it together. Because what happened was when the first immigrants came over from China, Japan, um, the Philippines, Portuguese, Portugal, and stuff, they kind of the the myth is that they mix their ingredients together and their style of making this kind of soup together. Yeah. So we have in Hawaiian salmon a very prominent ingredient is dried shrimp for for the broths. Yeah. It's, it's all good yeah. man this is audio so yeah. <laughs> so, so how, how how are you using the dried shrimp because i know how people do it in here in hawaii for the simon oh, what wow, are you okay. doing specifically with your dried shrimp to extract oh, the okay. umami yeah so it, i usually incorporate it in, in a few different um levels so usually I'll, I'll put a little bit in the tari so maybe i'll, I'll soak it overnight with my mm-hmm. kombu you know like that's usually what i do so usually for my tari i should probably preface what i do with tari um, so uh, I might take some sake, like depending on what, what, um, kind of tari I do. So like maybe if I'm making a shoyu, I might take some, some soy sauce, you know, like I might use a blend of soy sauce, you know, I might use some whole bean or I use, use some, use like a light soy sauce and I'll just, I'll, I'll soak it, soak some kombu, I might soak some niboshi and then the dried shrimp, I'll just throw that in as well. And because dried shrimp is quite hearty, like you can, you can kind of cook it out a little bit and it'll still like release that umami so so usually like everyone knows like kombu you don't really want to boil it so yeah i, I might i might take it out the next day but then i'll just leave the the dry shrimp in there i'll cook it for a little bit longer or and sometimes in the soup usually like i'm a big fan of doing double soups so mm-hmm. um i don't know if you saw it but my most recent one my most recent iteration of ramen was like an abalone clam chicken double triple soup <laughs> yeah yeah so uh so yeah I, I did like the dashi component i threw some dried shrimps in there as well oh, nice. so and then i just kind of just cooked it out it's yeah so it's really about like um layering umami although that's a super cliche term but it's, re- <laughs> it's really what it is yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just about um thinking about how you can improve the flavors of your, your ramen while not overpowering it uh-huh and one one big thing that I think is super important is that if you, if you make ramen, it's gotta taste like what you say it is, mm-hmm. and and I think that's that's one problem with some of the shops that I've had here is that they yes it, it might be tonkotsu ramen but it doesn't taste like pork. 
Mm. So like, where's the pork? You know, it might just taste like a lot of miso or, and I don't know, maybe this plays off on um, what Mike said the other, the other time of like the, co- the commoditized shops trying to cover oh. up the cover, cover their tracks with um, their pre-made soups. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's, I guess it just comes with time, you know, like people just get, get a little bit more aware of ramen and like, we're doing this, you're doing this, that we're trying to just raise awareness of how amazing this food can be. Like we're just enjoying ourselves. Mm-hmm. How yeah. is it in Australia? Cause you know, like in America, I actually, I'm so isolated. I don't really know what it's like in America, but I know that most people know what instant ramen is, right? Like everybody, yeah. it's kind of like a worldwide phenomenon. Everybody knows that. And, but I think the word ramen itself is still heavily attached to that idea of what, of that food, you know, like when mm. someone hears ramen, they think of the block, instant ramen block or something yeah some kind of college kid food and stuff Mm. how has it been in australia is there what's the um as far as like what australian people think about ramen when they hear the word ramen is it still that block or has it evolved a little bit over the last few years into making maybe more like you know like you said you worked at a tonkotsu shop so that's not block ramen how has it evolved for you over there so i think it's a little bit different in australia so i to me, I think that the ramen association with instant ramen is quite a uniquely American thing. Oh, really? So Interesting. In, in, in the sense, in the sense that yeah, you have your like yeah, because you have your things like top ramen, you know, mm-hmm. like that that just that's just like created that cultural association. Yep. Mm-hmm. But whereas in in Australia we don't have that. We have like yeah, we have like two minute noodles or we have like migoreng and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's not really it's 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 quite distinctly. Well, in my opinion, at least, it's quite distinctly separated from a noodle soup. And um, to be honest, I feel like the problem isn't the association in in Australia of instant ramen with actual ramen. It's that they don't know what actual ramen is. Mm-hmm. It's it's that knowledge isn't even there yet. <laughs> or it's it's starting to develop. You know, it's um. So it's really just a matter of raising awareness, I guess, but there's uh there's a real yeah there's a real um growing following of ramen now nowadays there's a lot of tonkotsu tonkotsu especially in perth a lot in sydney a lot in melbourne really like Hmm. it's a yeah yeah it's so i i guess it's yeah it's really starting to to um get popular Mm -hmm. but it's it's there's still a very very strong trend towards tonkotsu which (laughs) Yeah, it's. I guess it. It's. It's fair enough. You know. It's. First of all, tonkotsu is delicious. Yeah. You know, like there's. There's no denying that. And yeah, it's. It's just. It's very accessible. So like, I, I'm not surprised that it's one of the most popular styles. It's interesting. What's your personal um, favorite style of ramen? Me. Yeah. Me personally. I mean, like I've been to Tokyo so many times. It's. I. I. I think I've got to go assure you because yeah, it's. <laughs> Well, it's right. It's it's just because there's so much complexity that you can put in, even though it's fundamentally it's just soy sauce yep. in like some sort of stock, you know. But like you can do so much with the taro, you can do so much in the soup. It's it's just there's and there's like an essence of just simplicity where there's almost not very much to hide behind, and that's that kind of like gets um, elevated with shio. Although I haven't had too much shio ramen, unfortunately. But yeah, like shoyu, I just really like how clean it can be and like how pure it can be. And yeah, like the last few ramens I've made is, has, have been shoyu. The best you... ramens I've, I've had in Japan have been shoyu. So uh-huh. yeah. 
did you start off as a tonkotsu person and then gradually as you got more into it transition into a shoyu kind of person because that's that's kind of like my story too like people always ask me like can you do more tonkotsu like i don't i'd rather like it's, it's just so much more interesting to try to like nail the nuances of a shoyu mm. than to mm. hit people over the head with the the mouthfeel of tonkotsu yeah. and then, you know tonkotsu yeah. tastes great but it's like I don't know. It's kind of this, like, um, more like a blunted, and not blunted instrument, because really high level tonkotsu does have complex flavors. But I just feel yeah. like, um, as far as expression of like what you can do with a bowl, like with shoyu, it's it feels more flexible to me than tonkotsu. Okay. But that could just That's I could be completely wrong. I could be completely wrong because I'm gonna talk to Jimmy soon. I was supposed to talk yeah. to um, Matsudai Ramen in the UK, and he's doing phenomenal oh, wow. tonkotsu there. And and yeah. um, so I really wanted to talk to him about what he thinks about tonkotsu because that's like he does other things too like he serves shoyu and he serves uh, other things too but yeah i'm kind of interested in to talk to him too about that because i yeah. feel like a lot of people like, like mike is kind of like an anomaly where he was miso from the beginning and just stuck with miso ramen throughout the whole yeah. thing but i feel like a yeah. lot of people even like what david um nichijo ramen said the same thing like tonkotsu was his first and then he he's a shio guy he does a shio ramen like that's his thing really? yeah yeah. I because I, I've talked to like a few of my friends that have been to Japan a lot and like it's it's quite common like even my mother like she was a huge tonkotsu fan but like uh-huh. she, these days she's kind of like a bit of a she's more of like a pex, uh, pescatarian so like she doesn't uh-huh. eat so much meat anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like so like so like, obviously tonkotsu is kind of out of the question. Yeah. So like she's she she really likes like shoyu and you know or the stuff that I make like there's I do a lot of like seafood based uh-huh. soups now just to accommodate for her. So 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 yeah um it's 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 actually i i i readily accept the challenge you know it's yeah. it's like what can you do without meat and that's 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 a that's a real um interesting thought experiment to, yeah, yeah. to think about okay okay well i can't use meat i can't use chicken pork whatever i've got this fish i've got these vegetables what can i do with it I'm like go nuts you know <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool so i was going to ask you about your clam i saw you did like a clam ramen um, yeah, yeah. What was that like? Was it just 100% seafood, or did you have any kind of animal bones in there? Yeah. So, so th- that time I did use some chicken. Okay. I, okay. I used like, I used the stewing hen. So for so my clam show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. So. So w- what was your question? So like, do you want to know like how I made it? Yeah, because honestly, like, so I've I get like a lot of requests on YouTube. Like, can you do this? And I'm just like a rookie making ramen, and they're like, can you make a bowl of like. Suta, you know, like Suta, the Michelin star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Japan. They're like, can you do like, I don't even know how to make a shiotari in your recipe. Oh, but, God. but the the recipes that I've seen in Japanese, so there's like some like ramen nerds in Japan, obviously, you know, people. Yeah. Yeah. Eat, Japan probably has the highest per capita ramen eaters in the world oh, that they're trying to like deconstruct the bowls of Suta. And a lot of them have said that they think it's a chicken and clam soup. Like they said that that's what actually what it is. And he's I using truffle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like yeah. he's he, of course, like he's known like for truffle and the black truffle kind of thing. But actually, like a lot of them are saying it's a clam chicken. Like that's what actually is making it the bowl, mm. like a really good bowl. So I was kind of wondering how you did that as far as like okay. how you put that double soup together. All right. So I think it. I really need to start from the beginning with that one. Yeah. So it was so my first clam ramen, right, was a clam shio. OK, so um, I kind of adapted like a, I wanted a little bit of soy flavor, but I wanted like a pretty heavy seafood flavor. I wanted like that kind of, because I, I've watched a lot of Aiden 
like recently yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I i got his cookbook and like yeah. i was just looking at it and, and it was I just found it so intriguing how he combined like seafood elements with meat elements yeah. and it was just incredible so so what i eventually started with that one was that okay well what if i what if i did exactly that so i did like a like a shoyu shio fusion tare so like i i i but the difference there with the later ones was that i didn't infuse any clam in the tare so some some of you may know that tare is probably the most important aspect of a bowl of ramen if you if you because soup at the end of the day you're just cooking the hell out of some meat yeah. some seafood and that's kind of it but tare is what actually gives your ramen like the 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 craveability you know like like this is what makes it addictive so so I feel um, the person the tare is the personality of the bowl like yeah, that's to me you yeah. know because because you can yeah. you can make with the same soup three different styles of ramen if you technically wanted to you could do like a miso shio and shoyu out of the same soup but that's the personality yeah. that's coming from yeah. the tare yeah. yeah so so that's that's super important so uh that shio was good like i i just i just cooked the clam in like the soup and then like i just blended it together but like that was that was good but it didn't have the clam impact that i was looking for that i remembered from tokyo you know like trying all those shops, you know, like the, that really like clean, like seafoody, briny flavor profile. Like I really wanted that and I wasn't sure how to get it. And then I think I got the inspiration from like watching a little bit of um, watching. There's like videos of Tsuta and then there's videos of like Konjiki Hotodogisu, uh-huh. which is like a Michelin starred um, Tokyo, Tokyo ramen shop. So and then I just got the idea of what if I just use some clams in the tarik, you know? And like, what if I, and then I tried that. I, I simmered some clams in like my, like a shoyu tare. And then I tr- I tasted it with like a little bit of the soup and I was like, wait, yeah, it's all right. But, and then it just, it was just a light bulb moment. And it was just, what if I blended the clams in the tare? And then I did that, I strained it out and I was like, Jesus. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so, 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 but the thing with that was that it, if you got to like let the clams sit in there, for, for a little while and then it'll just slowly um, exude its flavor into it. So, so you're blending yeah. the clam, you're blending the clam first and then putting it into the shoyutare or what was, what, what did okay. you do? So yeah, I, I, I simmered the clams inside the tare and then okay. I, and I took out the shells and then I blended the whole damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, and then I, I didn't, I didn't even strain it out afterwards because like it just added so much complexity mm-hmm. with the clam sitting there. It was just, it was kind of like a tea, you know, it just kept, seeping out its flavor yeah, yeah. And, and i found that it, it the flavor developed over time so like it, it really peaked out at around like three four days and because it's so salty you know like it's it, it just stayed it stays pretty much forever yeah 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 so yeah um that, that's what i did and then I, I kind of adapted that idea further on with like my abalone one where I, I literally took some um abalone livers and i blended that in and i simmered i simmered um abalone meat inside the tarot but then I, and then I use that as topping. That's pretty cool, man. That's like trade secrets that most shops would never give away that you just spilled yeah. right here on the bucket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, if, if, I mean, if, if you're trying to use my idea, like I, I expect a, yeah. a quarter for every bowl you sell. <laughs> yeah. That? It has to be called Andre style ramen when you're blending yeah. uh, shellfish into the tare. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so yeah. did you do like a clam stock too? A clam stock and chicken stock? And then Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing? So so I did, so I started off with like a dashi, you know, like just mm-hmm. your classic like overnight soak. 
176, five minutes hold, whatever. And then I, I simmer the, I simmer the clam in the, for, for a long time, <laughs> like a very long time. It's like pro- close to about an hour and a half, two hours. And just to really get that flavor out and I strain, and then I strain it out and I blend it into the, into the chicken broth, which I use stewing hens, which I think you discovered as well. Yeah. yeah. Using stewing hens is very important <laughs> when you're making chicken sauce. It just completely elevates the complexity, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like completely different. It's a completely mm. almost like a completely different animal. It's just like an old ass chicken, you know. It just has so much flavor. Yeah, yeah. Years of life. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. Mm. Yeah, it's it's that that's pretty much all I use now when I when I make anything any chicken broth. Mm-hmm. You know, got to use what, the stewing hen. What kind of aroma oil did you do with that one? Did you do um, the clam aroma oil too? <laughs> did you, oh did no, you do- I, I was going. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I was going to do it like a niboshi uh-huh. oil, but like I did, I didn't do that. I, I ended up, um, I found some shiso at the at the oh, market, okay. so I, I did like a shiso like aroma oil. Like I, I wanted like because that it's got that slight peppery like yeah. vegetal note, and I think that that really like accented like the 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 um the clam brininess. So it's just it was just like a remem- like a memory from a lot of my food is just like points in time that I remember in my past you know uh-huh. like i i remembered like shiso being super popular like with, with like with my sashimi in japan and i was just like wait wait a minute why don't i do this <laughs> and then yeah it was great that's really cool that's cool man like it's yeah. you're you, you you're so much more thoughtful with your ramen making than i am i hope to get to your yeah. point one day uh, how do you well, it's <laughs> Yes, no, no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was uh, gonna, I was gonna change topic, so you can go ahead. Yeah. So I think it's, it's really just a matter of, you know, um, I think going to Japan helps a lot. Yeah. You know, a I, lot I, of my, a lot of my, my, um, my inspirations, you know, huh. comes from like, you know, watching legends like Brian, you yeah. know, Brian from Ramen Adventures, you know, mm-hmm. um, watching those videos, watching like these masters cook, looking at a few of like the Japanese um resources. So I, I did study Japanese and in like primary in high school primary mm-hmm. school or like elementary school as you guys call it yeah yeah um yeah so so i i can read a little bit but not too much but you know like it helped it's it's it helps a lot and to just get that like actual like japanese um information because god english recipes <laughs> my god like seriously what the hell like yeah. they, 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 you could you could literally go on google right you look up tonkotsu ramen recipe mm. and then the first ingredient would be high quality chicken stock <laughs> what is that <laughs> right yeah yeah it's 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 just it's such a sadness you know it's such a yeah. sadness that that there's such low quality recipes in english and and like that's that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to change that i'm i want I guess I'm kind of doing what you're doing, what uh-huh. what Ramen Lord is doing as well. It's just I want to I want people to enjoy ramen. You know, it's it's mm. it's it's because I want them to appreciate how great it can be. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that's that's. I felt the same way. You know, like when I I decided to make videos, it's like I first well, basically what it was it was like when I first tried to make ramen, I had already been studying Japanese for a few for a few years at that point. But you know, I just searched, didn't think much. Like, oh, I just search in English because everything's in English. You know, like recipes for any type of cuisine you can find in english generally yeah and so i found some stuff and i tried it and it was just like so bad and and then i found mike's things on reddit and so i looked at those things but then and i was like wait a minute and i can read japanese but i just try to look in japanese and the, mm. the level of quality of resources available for japanese in japanese compared to what's available in english is just like 
night and not day. even close yeah night and day so it's yeah, pretty cool it's, yeah so yeah. I, I really i think i think you know what what everybody's doing working together it's kind of going to change i think it's going to change like mm. over the next 10 years i think people will get a better understanding of what actually making ramen is because if you even yeah. if you look on youtube today like the top videos for how to make ramen the tonkotsu ramen videos a lot of them are just like i don't know i'll, I'll just leave I'll, I'll, i won't comment on them but i watch them and i'm like yeah i wish well, i wish i yeah. wish they spent yeah. a little bit more time researching about what they're it's, doing and why they're doing yeah. it yeah i think one one of the things is that like a lot of people look for um quick uh-huh. recipes yeah you know um that's that's a real in in our society you know like we we everything is like it's time is money and if you're wasting time you're losing money oh yeah 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 so so it's a lot of people are like you know people are coming home from work they have like three kids you know like they they really don't have the time that we do you know like that i do at least (laughs) i know you have a family yeah yeah like i have a lot of time to like dedicate myself like three days slaving away in the kitchen but you know like a a family of three they may not you know so like so like I guess that kind of plays into it as well. So like people people want quicker recipes, but you know like it's it's just a trade off. You know, do yeah. you want quality or do you want time? Yeah, I mean in Japan like yeah. there's still a lot of those like like jupunde tsukureru. You know, like you can make it in ten minutes yeah. kind of recipes too. Yeah, and they're okay, but and it's kind of interesting just reading the comments for those because a lot of time the Japanese people are like, wow, this is just as good as my ramen shop and I'll at my local ramen shop and I'll try it. Like this is not as good as a local ramen shop or. If yeah. this is your local ramen shop, your local ramen shop, it's pretty terrible. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. that that kind of like I so I do videos like that once in a while because I know people are looking for those kind of things. Mm. But, yeah, just like changing the expectations. Like you said, Americans have such a strong connection to the word ramen to instant ramen. That that connection is so strong that yeah, um, changing that's going to take some time. But I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, like I was just looking at like all the shops that were opening up in um, New York and and the one that Ramen Lord just checked out in Chicago, like, you know, like there's, there's that, that new huge one that everyone's going to, you know, like Ramen Ishida. I yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah, I see it. I'm seeing it all over Instagram yeah, that, all the time. That one looks yeah. amazing. It's amazing. Looks, looks awesome, you know, like, and that's, that's a show you. Yeah, know? it's not a tonkotsu it's, it's at all. It's super exciting. Yeah. Super exciting that this kind of bowl is getting traction. Yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah, that, that's like the next phase is just to rate, like move past, I guess not, not so much move past tonkotsu, but like, increase like the the scope you know like ramen does not need to be super in your face it doesn't need to doesn't need to be like really heavy it can be really light and can it you can have like a very um complex flavor profile yeah you know? mm-hmm. i'm not too familiar with what restaurants in japan are getting michelin stars but i do know that well i, I just know the first couple was like tsuta and then nakiryu right it was like, yeah, the second yeah, one yeah. and both of those are well nakiryu is a tantan men but do you do you know if like a lot of them are tonkotsu or like most of the ones that are receiving Michelin stars are shio shoyu? Yeah, I'm so not sure. The only ones that I know is so you've got konjiki, uh-huh. you've got suta, and you've got nakiri, and yeah. neither of them, not none of them, do um, tonkotsu. They all uh-huh. well, it it is Tokyo though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. it is Tokyo. So um, so it is going to be like pretty heavily um geared towards um shoyu. But I, I don't think there's any more Michelin starred restaurants. There might be some Bib Gourmand, but um, I'm not sure about Tonkotsu Michelin stars. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. I, I need to be fact checked on that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. 
So let's let's change the topic a little bit. Like I know that you put up some posts on noodle making in in Reddit as well. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. actually how I first found out about you. Was you you really? were like a pretty yeah. I remember I remember. Well, I didn't. You were talking to me on Instagram, and then you said, "Oh yeah, I'm Kim Jong Un on, <laughs> on Reddit." And I was like, "Oh, that guy, the noodle guy." And that's what I thought instantly. It was like, "Oh yeah, he, he oh, wrote yeah. like a pretty long thing about noodles." So how did you yeah. go about learning how to do noodles? And you know, because that's kind of like oh. a big learning process in itself. Like most people don't think about it very much i'd say that that's probably the most learning that i had to do it's mm. because it's such it's such a different it's 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 almost like learning like an alien art it's so difficult literally everything can 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 um affect it like i was talking to my uncle like he, he he's he's done like like he he makes coffee sometimes and like he was just telling me about like oh like the the temperature of the of the day and like the the humidity like that can affect your beans and like yep. that's the exact same thing can happen yeah. to noodles you know like if if you're if it's winter you know it's a little bit more humid then you would need to add a little bit less water you know or um and depending on the noodles that you're making you might need to change the hydration you know like so the hydration is super important in the fact that it depends on how much it, it can affect how much liquid your noodles absorb firstly and also the texture you know so like hakata style like can is super low hydration it's really uh -huh. brittle you know it absorbs a lot of soup whereas like a miso like a sapporo style like ramen it's really dense it's really chewy it's really curly you know it's it's got it's got like a real like dense like texture mm -hmm. and it's it's just it's just a lot of variation and how i got how i started that was I remember looking at, I was, I was really into like trying to do everything from scratch because before like my first bowls, I didn't do everything from scratch, but like, I, I'm, I've always been like really into that. Like I want to do everything. Like even if I can buy it in the supermarket, I want to do it at home, you know? So I was just watching like YouTube videos. I remember like watching like, um, Alex French guy cooking. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I tried his one first. That, that was okay. You know, yeah. but like, um, and then I was just learning watching lots and lots of videos and eventually i stumbled upon like yeah I, I looked at ramen board stuff and then i i found this website called like yamato which is like a noodle make it's it's like a it was like oh, they, a, they sell machines right like is that yeah, the one yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. it's amazing so <laughs> i think i think I, we've I, all seen that same website too like they're still yeah, machines yeah. but they also write the science behind noodle making on their website yeah, and yeah. I, I remember looking finding that website and i was like jesus christ this is a holy grail i literally took out a notepad and started taking notes uh -huh. And then, yeah, and then I was just like, oh, Jesus, I didn't know there was a difference between potassium carbonate and sodium carbonate. Oh, geez, it, it has different properties. Wow. And it was just like learning like that, you know? And then I was learning about, and then it's, it's just, and you're learning about like the different rests, resting times and uh -huh. like how, how that depends on how much hydration you put in your noodles. And then, oh, what, what does the resting do? Oh, it, it degasses the gluten structure. It, it, it strengthens it, you know, it develops it, you know, it's, and improves the flavor, obviously. And like, there's, there's so much learning and, and like, because before I had made like pasta and I thought it, oh yeah, pasta, it's, it's based on noodles. It should be pretty similar. Uh -huh. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Basically I feel like that's like every single component of ramen is that same process of, uh, I, I think I could do this. Oh no, that was pretty terrible. Like, I feel like every single, like the five components can have that yeah. exact same experience over and yeah. over again. Yeah. It's yeah. Cause like with ramen, it's just, you take all right. Oh, you've made pasta. Take everything you've learned about pasta and throw it out the window. <laughs> That's what you do with ramen. That's your first step. Completely remove any preconceived notions you have because like it, it doesn't, it's just, it's so different. And like the idea of like, it's, it's so crazy because we don't, 
I, I was, I remember reading about this and to this day, we still don't really know why it's just like sodium carbonate and potassium carbonate that creates such an interesting texture. Uh-huh. Like the, the science is not set out on this. On oh, this really? Point. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. bother to look at the science. I just yeah. like, okay, I, yeah. I use these things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I remember reading, I was, I was reading like a lot of like academic journals and I was looking about, oh, um, alkaline, the effect of alkalinity on the dough and like it's on elasticity and um, uh-huh. like the chew, you know, like the, the um, resistance. And yeah, it's, it's super interesting. And like, we, we have no idea why potassium carbonate gives a different property to sodium carbonate. And like, I was talking to Ramen Lord about this and yeah, we, we, we have no idea. We, we just, we, we haven't found any resources about it. And, but I guess it's something to do with like the, um, the degree of dissociation, whatever. It's some chemistry stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, like yeah. I, I've read Japanese articles and blog posts about it too. And they say like, Oh, the potassium carbonate will do this and sodium yeah. carbonate will do this, but they don't explain why they just like, this is what it does. And I guess yeah, most people are okay with just knowing that that's what it does. And they're not really interested yeah. in the science behind it, but yeah. 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 I guess like that kind of thing was really like instilled in me after when I remember like when I was about like 12, 13, I was just starting to learn about cooking. You know, I was mm-hmm. super interested in it, but like I, I just remember re- reading like serious eats. Yeah. Like, yeah. Super popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And they just, they really go into the science, you know, like uh-huh. I was reading about like my art reaction and, you know, like it was just like, it was just like a continuous rabbit hole, I guess. From there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like learning about food and the science behind it and, what makes this so good like what makes a steak so delicious you know like why 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 is cheese delicious like how does that work you know it's just a continuous learning process so so how did you so what was your like your first noodles you tried to do and then how what is it now like what is your standard process of making noodles that you're doing today um standard process so i mean like yeah yeah just like whatever method you're using now to do it like mixing the dough together or using like a KitchenAid or using like yeah. your hands and, you know, go through that. Whole okay. Thing, so I, guess. I, I don't want to break my KitchenAid cause I got it for my birthday. So, <laughs> so um, what I usually do is I'll, I'll measure everything out with like an electronic scale. So like, mm-hmm. I'll get, I'll decide what kind of noodle I want, you know, and then it will just be, and it'll just be like measuring everything out. And then I'll just like slowly like mix the, I'll, I'll mix up like the, the kansui and like the salt into like the water. Now, like slowly, like just mix it into the flour, you know, like gradually, and then like make sure it's nice and even. Cover it, you know, let it let it hydrate. That's the first rest, and then knead it together. Usually, if it's really dry, I'll like put it in a bag and I just step on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll just fold it a couple times and just keep stepping on it until it's like quite cohesive. Let it rest for another like hour or so, depending on how what the hydration is. And yeah, I roll it out, rest it again, cut it, and then rest it again. Uh-huh. So yeah, there's a lot of resting. Yeah. <laughs> How do you choose which, um, like, like so, so say you're making like a bowl of shoyu ramen. How do you choose yeah. the hydration? How are you choosing what flowers to go into that? How are you choosing that? Is it still like, you're just like, oh, I, I, wanna, I think I want to try this. Or is it like, okay, shoyu, I'm going to do 36, 35%. Or do you have like any kind of things that yeah. you're doing like that? Yeah, I do. I do. So usually if I'm making, all right, so let's say I'm making a shoyu ramen. I'll, I'll usually think about, what, what did I do last time and how did, how could I improve it? That's usually what I do every time when I have the bowl. So uh, uh-huh. like last time, so like my show you, I did, I didn't like how, how the new, the noodles were a little bit broken because like they were, they were like a little bit too, I like made the dough too short. So like when it rolled out, it wasn't long enough. So like it wasn't very like slurpable. 
So like, then like my improvement was that, okay, now I'm going to make sure that it's very straight. It's very long, you know, like it comes out into like nice noodles, you know, and then I think about the chew, like, oh, last time it wasn't, it wasn't very smooth. It wasn't very slurpable. How can I change that? And yeah, like I, I did a test on it. I, I I'm not sure if you saw my Instagram post, but it was just a test of, so there's the um, very common knowledge that um, amylose is what makes the noodles very slippery. And my intuition was that, okay, well, amylose, that should be like, that's like, if, you, if I used a low, low um, gluten, a low gluten flour, like a cake flour, surely that will improve the amylose. And then I did like a, a, controlled, a controlled test where I used like a blend of like uh, red flour and like cake flour and, and another flour that I can't remember. I think it was like whole, whole meal. And then I did like a whole meal and bread flour only. And everything else was the exact same. And I just found that, wait a second, the cake flour doesn't do anything. You know, <laughs> it, if, if anything, it makes it worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea why. So I was like, okay, from now on, I'm not going to use any cake flour. I literally thought that even it completely went against my intuition and what I had learned that Ambelos should improve it. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. And it blew my mind. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. So like, I might think about, okay, today I'm making a shoyu ramen. So I want, I want this amount of, I want a pretty good chew. You know, I want a nice dense chew. I want it reasonably thin, you know, to suit the broth. And then, yeah, and it's just, it's just build up from that. And then usually I'll just have, um, I'll take out my calculator, you know, I have my paper now. I'm just like, all right, today I'm, how many people am I serving? All right, I'm serving like seven people. Okay. I'll probably need about two kilos of flour. And I'll work, okay, let's do 37% this time. And then I'll just do like 37% water. And then I'll just work out everything from there. So it's really easy for me to measure out. That's do what you I do. Do. Um, do you have like a specific hydration percentage that you're shooting for with specific types of ramen? So yeah, you went 37% yeah. for shoyu or like, what are you, what's your kind of like go-to percentages? Yeah. So I don't, I don't really have a go-to. I usually just do what I want on that day so uh, <laughs> generally uh if because i haven't made any like pythons for a very long time i've just mm-hmm. been doing so many chintons so like it's been so i don't really have that kind of um uh precedent yet but yeah it's just a lot of you know i i just think about what i want and like all right if i if i want a bit a better chew i might add a little bit more water if i want it to be a bit firm i might might, might add less water i might add more potassium carbonate you know, so like usually what I have is I have like the bottle of Kansui, which is, which has the, um, the ratios of potassium carbonate and sodium carbonate in it. So I just take that into account and I just add some extra sodium carbonate wherever I need it. Oh, I see. I see. That's what I do. Do you, do you, do you usually blend the, the both types, potassium and sodium carbonate or yeah. are you? Yes. Okay, I see. Yes. So like I usually aim for a specific ratio. So my general go-to is about 80, 20 potassium to sodium. So you I, like, I like the you, you like the yeah. feel of the potassium noodles better than sodium carbonate noodles. Um yeah, so I find that sodium carbonate it, well it really depends. So like sodium carbonate I find gives me a, a smoother texture while potassium gives like a really like nice firm chew. I really love that. Like I re- that's one of my favorite textures is like when you have like a really like chewy like al dente, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that. So that's that's generally like the the my go to ratio. But like if if I want it to be a little bit more slurpable, I might have like go up to like seventy thirty, you know, something like that. Cool, cool. Yeah, I I think I re- remember reading something like that where if you're gonna go low hydration for some reason, the sodium carbonate's better. 
Like if you're going to go into yeah. your 20s and 30s, for some reason, it works a little better. But yeah, yeah the, the potassium carbonate will give you like a better chew and that kind of like, if yeah. you're looking for that kind of feeling, then yeah, you should go more that. I just ordered some mm. powdered potassium carbonate. So I'm looking forward to oh, yeah. experimenting with that. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Do do a blind test. That, <laughs> that could be a cool video. Yeah. Like yeah. 100% potassium, 100% sodium. See what, see what, see what happens. Do I seriously need, because every single, like I've put out, so I put out three noodle videos so far. I deleted one because I had the wrong measurements on the screen. It's when I used to put graphics and stuff on the screen. I, and someone tried it and they're like, this doesn't work at all. Like, oh fuck, I fucked up. And as I took it off. And then my last one, I just put way too much whole wheat flour and I still have the video up and people are like, I can't get it to work. And so I got to do another, I got to do another noodle video of like helping people, mm. you know, just figure out how yeah. to like, um, come up with their own noodle recipes, kind of like a definitive one. So don't follow recipes. Just, you know, this is how you do it. Put things together. And- yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, I was talk Yeah. I've, I've just been looking at like people doing it on in the community and, uh-huh. Because what I do is I, I do a very high whole wheat flour ratio. What percentage like do you do? My noodles, like 50%. Oh, are you serious? I yeah. went 20 and I, and I went I went 20 and some people said that they couldn't get it to work. Really? Oh, but I got well, mine to work me, just fine. My, yeah. So I, I, I had assumed that it was, oh, maybe the hydration in Hawaii is the ambient humidity is real high. Yeah. So maybe well, it like hydrated the noodles a little bit more. But I, I 20% was fine for me. I didn't have any problems yeah. working with it. Yeah. But so you do 50 I, so, and you have no problems. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, well, and the f- interesting thing is that Australia is super dry. Oh, really? And, like, I've, I've had no problems with it, to be honest. Uh, well, I usually go, like, 37%, 36%. I've had no, even 35%, I've had no problems. And, like, the whole wheat flour, like, I really like it because it gives, like, a really nutty like, yeah. flavor. And, and that's, a, that's a real, um, that's, a, that's something that I really enjoyed when I was in Japan. Like, I went to, like, this place called Baso Drillman in Ikebukuro, uh-huh. and they have like a really like wheaty noodle and i really love that and like, yeah, that's yeah. just kind of what i've done so I, I really like that like whole wheat flavor and like the specs fantastic love it cool so I, i'm glad to know that i didn't ruin everybody's uh noodle ambitions with my 20 percent whole wheat because i i liked how it tasted <laughs> actually yeah. it, it doesn't match with all bowls like i i noticed that it didn't really match well with shio but it would show you that little that wheat really like yeah. matches the shoyu flavor for yeah. some reason yeah yeah okay and one thing that that's like super interesting with shoyu is that i've just found that like this i don't know if it's like something incredible like, or like i've just like stumbled upon something that's common knowledge but <laughs> i love adding ginger grated ginger to my shoyu it's it's just fantastic i don't know if you've tried it but like for my bowls like my i guess it, it matches really well with like the seafood flavors but uh-huh. like i add like a little bit of grated ginger wow it just it just elevates it love it. oh that sounds like a pretty cool tip pretty- i mean it makes sense because shoyu and ginger like you know, that's pretty, that's yeah. a pretty common combo, like flavor yeah. combo in Japan, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 I, I've seen people like just crush like a fresh clove of garlic into it too. I've seen people do that. In yeah. Japan, like the, that Jiro style, like yeah. really, really messy. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I, like... I don't, I've never tried it and I'm, I'm honestly not even interested in trying it, but I know it's super popular, but it just yeah. looks like yeah Man, that's a little bit too just, much for me it just it just looks like i'm, I'm taking off 10 years of my life so i so i guess we can go into some, into some questions now i have a bunch of questions here well not a bunch sure. i have a few but the interesting thing is the majority of people are asking a very similar thing um so let's Perfect. see so let's go so let's start off with the um so the, the big ones are, a lot of them are asking you questions about what it's like 
what ramen is like in Australia. And we kind of went into that, but ramen lord asked, this is the first question I'll ask you. He asked, what would you describe as Australian ramen? Australian ramen? Yeah. Like if you had to put together a bowl of Australian ramen, what would that be? Like as in if I had to use Australian ingredients and make well, a bowl I, of ramen? Well, I guess, I guess it's two parts, right? Because, well, I'm just going to add my own take on this question too, because you saw that Mike did that American ramen bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it was just like a was heavy funny. tonkotsu with like he went 20 into a ingredients. Whole yeah. About it. Yeah, he went yeah. all into it. It was like bang, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, <laughs> I guess it's kind of like what is the stereotypical Australian ramen bowl look like? And also what would you make? I'add my two cents in this. And what uh, would you okay. make if yeah. you were using Australian ingredients to make? Because I'm also interested okay. in making an American ramen bowl using just sure. American ingredients. So, yeah, two yeah, part yeah. question. Okay, so um, the very typical ramen shop in Australia will have some sort of um, tonkotsu with corn, woody and mushrooms, maybe some ginger. It'll have um, some rolled pork belly and it will have a, a sliced egg in half. Uh-huh. Probably no aroma oil and it will be yellow miso style noodles regard- for everything. It will just be <laughs> the same noodle for everything. And yeah, it's there's, there's, there's no... The very stereotypical, like average bowl, will have no like kind of thought that goes into how how anything pairs together. It will just kind of it would, it would just be a complete mess. And I guess that's yeah. The, um, Ramen Lord was talking about that as well. Like it's, it's just like Westerners, especially like Americans, Australians too. They really like those like bold flavors yeah. and like really yeah. intense, you know, like contrasting flavors. So like. You, you see it everywhere, you know, like in barbecue, you've got like, you've got like your really heavy, like brisket. And then you've got like, you're really like acidic, like you might have like your pickles or you might have like all, all those, all those sides, you know, like this real like contrasting flavors. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So like, that's probably something that what comes to mind. Yeah. Definitely like, like a spicy miso. That, that's <laughs> <laughs> that. Um, yeah. There's, spicy there's, miso tonkotsu ramen. Like yeah, one of those. exactly. <laughs> that, that's yeah, and it's got to have corn. Like, if it doesn't have corn, like people, are, people are gonna crap themselves. Really? Yeah. Corn is like yeah. that that major of a thing, huh? Yeah, like literally, like I um, my dad's friend runs a ramen shop. It's he runs a chain. It's 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 a tonkotsu shop, and he's uh-huh. literally had people ask him, "Can I get corn in it?" Like, <laughs> do, do you know what we're doing here? Yeah. Do you see? Do you see? Do you see how the sign says tonkotsu? Yeah. It means that you don't generally add corn to it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's 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 just stuff like that. But I guess it's just kind of um, it just comes with knowledge, you know. I I don't blame them for it. I laugh about it, but to be honest, it's, it's not that big of a deal. To be honest, like yeah, yeah. When you first started describing, it's like oh, so cool, Hakata style tonkotsu. And then you said, and then with the Sapporo style miso ramen noodles, it's like oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll put corn in anything. Believe uh, yeah. me, they will. And they'll oh. have that pickled ginger as well. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Always. Sugar. Yeah, always. Pickled ginger, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense though. Like what, what Mike, when you, you talked about where it's like that strong flavors and you have that contrasting sour yeah. with the, the kind of like more fatty, creamy uh, kind of food. Yeah. And so what and, would you, what would you be, what would be like if you had to make a bowl of Australian ramen? <sighs> kangaroo ramen. <laughs> okay i personally don't eat kangaroo because i find it's a little bit too gamey for me oh, oh but, people um, actually do eat that i didn't know people ate that yeah it looks yeah. like a human it looks like a human with a tiny head with big yeah, legs I mean, you see have you seen like apparently, apparently kangaroo can literally box yeah yeah that's why it, like they I, literally I, box like, it would feel like it would feel like you're a cannibal eating to me like eating kangaroo oh, yeah. like, it looks so human like <laughs> well, yeah yeah well to 
make an Australian ramen? <laughs> That's a tough question. Because the thing with Australia is that there isn't really a, a defined um, culinary identity yet. Mm-hmm. It's a very new country. So like we just, I guess we haven't really had the time to actually develop a culture of your own. So like surely, obviously you have like your, your meat pie, your fish and chips, you know, you've got, you've got your Vegemite. Uh-huh. But that's not, that's, a lot of that is just adapted from Britain. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah. It's, because it's still such a new thing. Like Australia only became like independent in like 1900. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it yeah, after the war? Like no. no, no. Before the war? Before, but like, yeah, it's, it's just, um, it was, uh, there's not really that sense of identity yet. So a lot of it will just be based on like British cuisine, maybe like <laughs> American a little bit. It's, it's a real melting pot. So I, I, I don't think it would even be ramen. It would probably be disgusting because <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that's that's what that's what Mike said too. Yeah, like, what? Where, at what point do you cross over from ramen to just being whatever? It, you know, it's kind of yeah. ramen-ish. You know, not no longer yeah, ramen like, anymore. Even even the idea of ramen is that to me, like, if it's ramen, it has to have the alkaline noodles. But isn't kansui kind of Asian? Like, yeah, is yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. like, I don't know how that would work, but if you're talking about like toppings in the broth, I don't know, maybe I'd have like a, like, like a meat pie topping. We could do like a, well, isn't, isn't like Vegemite basically just umami? umami. Yeah. Yeah. So I could, you could, I could do, do like, that. yeah, something or, with that. Yeah. Well, one thing that I was thinking might be interesting is like Australia actually has very pretty interesting herbs. Like we've got like this thing called lemon myrtle and we've got like finger lime. We've, like, which is like a citrus and it like you squeeze it out and it's like it's like it's like almost looks like caviar it's like a little uh-huh. like blob oh, that's cool yeah that's that's pretty interesting so like we've got like all sorts of like herbs you know uh we've got like um i don't know don't you guys do lamb there a lot like you eat a lot of lamb. yeah lamb yeah lamb but i don't know if that's uniquely australian but i mean yeah, but it could be like lamb. a lamb lamb ramen I don't that's know. interesting yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I think i think menshaw does something like that in japan oh, he, he cool. yeah. sort of lamb or was it a curry I, i'm not quite sure but yeah menshaw does some crazy <laughs> stuff but yeah uh australian ramen yeah that's that's a very difficult question i don't think i don't yeah because ramen is so uniquely japanese i don't think it's very easy to make it with Jap- without japanese ingredients mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I've been trying to figure that out too because I want to do like a Hawaiian ramen, but yeah, mm, it's pretty hard. This might anyway. annoy you, but add add a bit of pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> pineapple, <laughs> pineapple and pork ramen. Yeah. Oh yeah, perfect. And a, and a slice of ham, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, because right. I, I was thinking about because um, recently I did like a Hong Kong style beef noodle soup, but it yeah, was like yeah. fusion. It was like a fusion of like what I had learned from ramen, you know, like I, I did like a, you know, like I had like my standard, like Chinese, like master brace spices, which is like, you've got like your Sichuan peppercorn, you've got uh-huh. your star anise, your, your um, something called like a chou like a uh-huh. sao Um, It's like, a, so it look, it, the package says dried olive, but I don't think it's an olive. <laughs> like bay leaves, cinnamon, you know, like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and yeah. You cook that for 20 hours, but then I, I put stuff like, I put like kombu in there uh-huh. like, like afterwards, like just to soak overnight. And like I, just to add that umami, and I completely get away with like the traditional seasoning, which is like usually fish sauce and rock sugar, and like a bit of salt. But instead, I I I took took a page from Iden, and what I did was um, I made like a roasted apple sofrito. So I I like roasted some apples, I roasted some onions, garlic, ginger in an oven for like six hours in fat, 
and then like I, I chopped that up, you know, and that was like adds like that really like sweet like oniony flavor, like it's a mm. bit more complex. And then I added like a like a toasted katsuobushi salt, oh, also yeah. from Raiden. Like I, yeah. I just thought that was amazing, and it's so addictive. I add it to everything now. I'm I'm about to make a new batch when when we finish this call. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so like it's just like I really like that idea of like um incorporating elements that I've learned from ramen into other foods. It's super interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So like the next couple of questions are all about the same thing. So I'll just read who asked them. So um Tom from Vermont, uh Black Dynasty Ramen and they both asked what's what's the ramen scene like in Australia? And you kind of did talk about that a little bit. Yeah. But so then it's um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and ramen ramen wildfire said he's in Melbourne cooking ramen. So he was kind of just asking specifically what the Perth scene is like. Have you have you done seen Melbourne the the ramen shops in Melbourne and compared it to it in Perth or is it you're kind of basing? Be honest, it I've only been to I've only been to Melbourne once. Oh really? Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, like I I know of the scene in in um in Sydney and like Melbourne. Like there's there's a few more. There's a few. There's a lot more choice, but. Like I, I know, like there's there's a shop in Sydney that does like mud ramen. I don't know. Oh, if you've yeah, seen yeah, it, yeah, It's yeah. like it's like a super thick the spoon soup. Up. They yeah. stick the spoon up. Oh god. I don't, I don't know. It looks a bit too intense for me, but yeah. you know, to each their own. Cool. Original Kano asked. Well, he had asked two questions, but we already answered one. He he asked if it's hard to get ingredients in Australia, and the other question he asked is, what's the average cost of a bowl of ramen in Australia? Oh, super expensive. Oh really? Super expensive. Like if you get uh like a like a toxa, you know, like like you get everything, like that's gonna set you back at least like twenty three, twenty four US dollars. Are that's probably serious? like US dollars. I'd say probably about like thirty dollars, thirty two dollars. Oh my gosh! Like and people buy and, that. Yeah. Like people are still yeah. like, oh my yeah. gosh! Wow. because well, yeah, the ramen craze is pretty heavy over here. Oh really? So like tonkotsu is yeah, yeah. just killing it over here. Oh wow! But yeah, yeah, that's it's it's huge. It's huge. I think it's huge all over the world. Yeah, I don't think the like the Jintan craze is set in yet, like uh-huh. as it has in Japan. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, Chintan is like in some areas where it's it's just it's just the way to go, you know. Like everyone loves their shoyu, they love their their shio, you know. Like like um ramen Lord was talking about it, you know, like the the new wave style, you know. It's mm-hmm. just chicken, water, soy sauce, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, I've and even seen some where it's just like where they're doing shio with just like a fish and shio tare. You know, like their their broth yeah. is just like they're boiling a fish for a little bit, and then, yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like the exact opposite of tonkotsu, which was yeah. I think I think tonkotsu was super popular maybe like a decade ago in Japan. You know, like maybe around that time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is. Yeah, it, it seems to be the shift has been more towards chintan. Yeah, because I think the like the the Japanese culture eventually it's just like because ramen is such a new concept of food. Uh-huh. It's still it didn't really have those rules, excuse me. It didn't really have those rules that uh-huh. um, things like sushi and things like oh. uh, tempura do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like it, it's because those are so historic, but whereas ramen, there's, there's so much variation that's allowed, uh-huh. you know? So I guess eventually like this, like the Korawari movement is going to set in, you know, like it's going, people are going to come out and they're going to be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to basically become a samurai and I'm going, I'm going to do it super, super focused. Yeah. Like it's so focused, you know? And yeah, it's just, 
yeah, like, it's it's just I think Japan has a real like appeal. Like they really like that um that focus that really like um shokuni, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's very popular in Japan. You know? That's a, that's so funny that you mentioned the sushi thing because I just watched. This is like a. I'm gonna get us off on a tangent here, but I just watched a video about like a a sushi guy, a guy in Portland, Oregon, in America making yeah. sushi. I think it was on like Mashed or some kind of one of those eater kind of channels. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the comments from the Japanese people on that video were just like so brutal. Like his sushi looked good. Like it looked just like if you didn't see who was making it. It would look like, oh yeah, that looks like regular edomai, you know, style of sushi. But he was like all tatted up, and he had like stubble, yeah. like you know, like facial stubble and stuff. And he was wearing a t-shirt, and instead of wearing like that st- stupid hat that they were, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, it, but it and like the comments were just like bashing him, like the Japanese comments. And it, and I talked to my friend about it later, and he's like, oh, it's because there's such like a cultural history of sushi in Japan that yeah, they don't accept. Um, people messing with the formula almost, you know, like yeah. it has to be done very strictly in a very Japanese way of sushi, do, sushi. Yeah. And, but ramen doesn't have, he said, he, but then he said, cause he knows that I make ramen. He's like, but ramen doesn't have that. Ramen is mm. not held to those standards like tempura and um, sushi is in Japan. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's just that you the that. Japanese culture is very, it's very, um, you, we do it this way and we've done it this, this way for hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. and you don't question it. And you know, like guys like Ivan coming out with like a roasted tomato Robin, you know, and like, yeah. you know, like that completely spits in the face of all of it. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this Jewish guy yeah. from New York is outdoing us at our own game. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's it's just super interesting because like in Japan, like the, the culture is, it's very exclusive. You know, mm. like I, I think, I'm not sure if this is true, but I remember like reading about it. It's that like Japan tends to keep, like they export a lot of their stuff, but then they, they keep all of the, the best stuff. Oh yeah, I can I can easily see that. Yeah. Yeah. So like so like like a lot of the like top quality like Asahi like that this the stuff overseas is generally like except for the ones in the can like yeah. they're they're brewed in the country that the so like Australia has a has a Asahi brewing yeah 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 factory in over in Melbourne I think but then like the the it's it's almost night and day how how good Asahi. Or like Sapporo is, yeah. is in Japan, in Japan yeah. compared to what we have here. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It, 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 yeah. It's it's like night and day. It's like as if you're drinking a completely different brand. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But I just think that's fascinating about just you know like I, I think I feel like really lucky to that I didn't get into sushi. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like yeah. like just having Japanese people like bash my videos, downloading it every single time because <laughs> it's it really is like. It's it's one of the few Japanese because it originally came from China ramen itself the soup came from yeah. China so I guess maybe because of that we get the past to experiment and play yeah. with it but it's pretty cool yeah. to do that I mean you know. yeah okay so this question's kind of he this this guy broken anchor he asked this question to everybody and it's a it's an interesting question so he also asks he he asks what instant noodles do you like or do you like instant noodles and if so what kind instant ramen of course noodles? I like instant noodles. <laughs> Anyone who says they don't like instant noodles is an elitist. Yeah. Like yeah. seriously, like it's it's delicious. Like admit it. It's all right to come out of the closet now. It's okay, <laughs> you know. Um, my favorite instant noodles. Does that include like the boxes that you get from Japan, like the ramen kits? Yeah, dude. Anything. I, I, anything yeah, like, I think anything that's you boil a bunch of water and then you put a packet into it counts as instant noodles, right? So is, I don't remember the brands, but I've had a couple of those like ramen kits from like the like the shops. Like, like Ichiran. They're pretty good. Yeah. They're pretty good. Not not um. There's there's um. 
I think there's like a Rockerin show one. Um, oh, okay. there's, there's like there's a Tomito one. I know. Oh wow. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of them. Yeah, Ichiran as well. And but I think my best favorite. I haven't had instant. We don't really eat instant ramen too much in our house. Yeah. yeah. But uh, my favorite. I don't know. I've had like a few of like the really good like just like uh, from Japan. They have like these amazing cup noodles. Like that you can just get from Seven oh, yeah, Eleven. Yeah, yeah. Those are amazing. Like uh, I remember there's Nakuyu has like a cup noodle. That's, that's right. That's in, in, at Seven Eleven, they do like that Seven and I Select series where yeah, they're doing yeah. like like Michelin starred ramen shops, and they're making like a cup ramen version of that, and you can yeah. just buy it for like a couple bucks, and then they pour hot water in it for you. Yeah, so, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's that's pretty great. cool. Yeah, there's a lot of that. So um. I, I I'm real I'm a, I'm a sucker for like the, the like the the mix um the dried instant noodles so like I really like uh like the Korean ones there's there's like a spicy one those are pretty uh-huh. good um it kind of depends on my mood sometimes as well sometimes uh, there's also like a Taiwanese one which isn't really like an instant noodle but it's like uh-huh. a dried flour like a white flour noodle and like you mix it it has like some like scallion oil and it's got like some soy oh, sauce those are amazing love those cool. highly recommend them if you find them so yeah those are those are wonderful those are my favorites probably yeah i think broken anchor deserves i, I kind of like said it was a troll question last time but it actually it's not a troll question because like i like instant ramen mm-hmm. once in a while too i just don't yeah. eat it very often yeah josh yeah, it's great. joshua how do you say his last name remedios oh I that's think. my friend Oh really? Yeah, okay. Like he says, yeah. uh, <laughs> says ask, up, Josh? ask how does your ramen look so good in all of your pictures? Oh. <laughs> does he take your I pictures know, for you? Yeah, he does. <laughs> okay. Hey, man, you take my pictures. That's why it looks so good, man. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, it's 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 just a um you gotta look at a lot of shops in Japan. Like it's it's really a matter of looking at what other people are doing and like kind of adding your own twist you know it's all it's all about putting your own character in your own ramen and i'm sure like you can vouch for it you know uh-huh. like you know it's it's all about personality you know like there's, there's nothing there's nothing worse than a commercialized sterile bowl you know yeah, yeah. and it's just yeah it's just you kind of with ramen because it's it's just a circle and you have to make sure that there's enough there's enough noodles so that it props up like the folds nice if you're if you're into that uh-huh. you know like there's there's enough there's there's not too much empty space you know like you have everything kind of in like a nice shape i guess like you create flow you know like that's yeah, it's, it's just the it's yeah um watching plating videos helps a lot but i'm pretty bad at plating to be honest like <laughs> i'm I, 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 yeah, it's, it's a, I think plating is probably just as hard, if not harder than making the food itself. <laughs> it's like the, the sixth component of ramen is like arranging the basically, toppings on it, you know? Basically. Yeah. 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 What's the next question? Anything else? Uh, that, that's all that I got. I mean, okay. And, uh, I know that you got a bunch too, so you can yeah. kind of go through the ones. That yeah. You all right. So, um, Matthew Ho asks for you, what is the hardest part about making a bowl of ramen? Um, the hardest part I w- is either making the noodles and figuring out how to pair the noodles mm-hmm. or how everything comes together. I think that's, that's a lifelong skill that you need to just learn. And that just comes with experience, you know, like, I think, yeah, Mike talked about it in your last podcast, you know, it's uh-huh. just a balance is super important. 
not just in ramen, like any Japanese cuisine. Like uh-huh. honestly, like any food in general, it's like balance is super important. I feel like and, with ramen, the, the balance is achieved through subtraction. While like a lot of Western cuisines, the balance is achieved through like adding, you're adding yeah. more flavors into it to balance. Oh, oh, I got too much uh, salty. So I'm going to balance it out with some sweet and I'm going to add some sour to yeah. balance out this thing. But in ramen, it almost feels like you're balancing it by that doesn't need point. to be there. You know, that doesn't need yeah. to be there. So take that out. And you know. Yeah. It's, you really got to consider every, like every element and, what it's doing then is it adding anything like uh-huh. all right so um one thing this kind of uh plays into this is that in in the west there's a real like big like association that ramen like if, if you're thinking about actual ramen it's got to have the egg you know it's got to be like soft <laughs> yeah. it's got to be like cut in half but like you know to be honest like sometimes the egg doesn't even add anything sometimes i would just ask for no egg yeah, you know? yeah. And um, if it doesn't add anything, it's, why is it there? And like a lot of shops, honestly, in Japan, they have hard boiled eggs. Like, yeah, yeah. This is this isn't this isn't like an anomaly or anything. Like this mm-hmm. is a thing, and it's just like soft boiled eggs is just one way to do it. You can have hard boiled. You can have none at all. You know, and it's just a balance. I think going back to it is for the balance of a bowl of ramen it's it's not so much additive additive it's more multiplicative mm-hmm. what i mean by that is that when you make a bowl of ramen every element has to be perfect and what mm-hmm. i mean by that is if if you have like sure, like if you screw up your noodles you know like noodles are too soft or they're, they're broken or like the tari is screwed up like that completely brings it down yep yeah you know? toppings like toppings is probably to be honest, the least important element of a bowl of ramen. Mm-hmm. And, but in the West, it's the most important. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves to load it up with like, yeah. oh, I'm going to put snow peas. I'm going to put corn. I'm going to put carrots. sesame seeds. I'm going to put carrots. <laughs> like, like, I'm going to put um, leftover chicken from the broth that's super dry. Believe it or not, I saw a video recipe of something like that. Oh, disgusting. my gosh. Yeah. Like, there, there, was a, there was a guy that was making soup dumplings and he made like a stock out of chicken. And then yeah. they took the chicken from the making the stock for like hours and hours they put it back in the dumpling yeah so so you take the chicken that you've extracted all of the flavor out of and it's just a shell a husk of lifeless meat and then use that to make the (laughs) the dumpling yeah that's yeah exactly it's kind of yeah it's pretty it's pretty bad but yeah it's it's going back to ramen like it's it's very important to get every element like well balanced and the most important is definitely the soup and the noodle mm-hmm. without a question equally underrated aroma oil a lot of people forget about it you know it's but it, yeah. it makes it breaks it you know like it, it adds so much complexity to the bowl if you don't have aroma oil it's it's this is how i usually describe it to my friends it's like it's onions as well so like think of aroma oil in a bowl of ramen as the bass player in a band you know when you have when you have every everyone there yeah it's great but then if the moment the base disappears there's just something not right about it uh-huh, uh-huh. it's just something's something's just off it's just like the 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 um the, it just sounds off you know and it's the same thing with ramen yeah yeah it, it, like a lot of people um in hawaii when they try to make simon at home and i don't even know like i haven't eaten at enough simon shops in hawaii to know if they're actually adding aroma oil but when people try to make it at home with like homemade simon, they always forget to put any kind of aroma oil in it, and it always tastes yes. not quite right. And I think it that's what dry. it is. Yeah, it tastes like yeah, it's just like 
it it the the oil itself does so much to like help the, the soup stick to the noodles and adds the extra layer of flavor and mouthfeel and yeah it's yeah. like so important that most people don't even know that it's there absolutely yeah. absolutely and and it's especially important when you have like a light broth yeah it's yeah. like in tonkotsu yeah you might not need it because it's so rich yeah but like if you have like a shio you know mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a really clean shio you need that otherwise it's just gonna be flat yeah yeah it's like you're drinking the ocean yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah let me see i've got another mess i've got another one so Marco Chaisa asks, hi, I'm from Melbourne. Where can, where can you get ingredients? So please tell me your journey about your duck python. Okay, so hi, Marco. So what I usually do is I just go to the butcher for, for my ingredients, for my meats, and I've, I've got a pretty good Japanese supermarket nearby so I can just go to that to get everything I need for umami. And then my duck python. Oh, geez. Yeah, that was... The interesting story is that that idea actually came to me in a dream. You know, I, I, I woke up one day and I was just thinking, wait, wait a second. Like, I just woke up with this idea of like a duck python. You know, I, I, I saw Tori Python, like that's super popular in Japan, but not many people do duck python. And I just decided to do it. And I think that was the learning curve in itself as well, because the first time I took two ducks and then like I, I cooked it for like six to eight hours. And then I blended it. And that was a super intense, like, duck. Like, it was like a shio shoyu as well. And that, that was, like, really rich. Like, it was one, one bowl. Like, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, one bowl is palatable. But, like, once you go into seconds, like, which we normally do when you're at home, you know, like, uh-huh. you made such a big bowl, you might as well get to. Like, everyone was just stuffed. <laughs> Like, geez, like, it, it's just, it's, it was too dense, you know, and uh-huh. that's, that's, that's not what I want. So I, 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 um, my friends loved it because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like, wow, it's like so, so intense, but I thought, I thought I could do, do a bit better than that. So yeah, like surprisingly, like I have a friend, like Tom, like, I'm, I'm sure he's listening to this sometime in the future. Yeah. What's up, Tom? He, he had three bowls. I don't know how he did it. He's drinking cement. <laughs> yeah, basically, like it, it was rich because, like, it, it literally solidified at room temp. Oh my gosh! Like not at even room temperature. In the yeah, at not room even temperature. In the it was, it was, it was gloopy. Like, <laughs> it, yeah, it was very, very norco. You know. Um, and then my second one was uh, it was like a duck bite time, but then I added a little bit of dashi, so it was just kind of like the beginnings of a double soup. But um, yeah, it just added a little bit of complexity, you know, it added a little bit of flavor and like, did, did I tell you that I blended everything, the plot, the pot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, you yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't know if you mentioned yeah. it on the podcast, but I think I've read it or somewhere. Either you messaged yeah, me or you yeah. did something, but okay. so you're, you're putting all the bones and the meat and everything into a blender yeah, with the yeah. soup and just blending it up. Yeah. And then I strain it out. Oh, you so, so, so you strain it out. Yeah. 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 Well, one time I didn't. <laughs> but, uh, that, that was that was actually that wasn't too bad because i I removed as many bone like big bones as i could uh-huh. so it's not like incredibly gritty but uh-huh. i feel like if even if you have like a little bit of grit that's that texture is really good for like tsukemen yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like true. like in um like a lot of um tsukemen like the the texture is quite gritty and like that's that's not really a, t- a turn off but yeah uh, I, re- I i liked the second one a lot more because it was a little bit lighter i only used one duck this time <laughs> it was plenty rich you know? do you do you do when you do a double soup are you blending it at what stage are you blending it in are you blending it um before you blend everything together i mean not blending like i'm talking about not blitzing the thing in the blender but like adding the the the, the dashi 
to the duck soup, are you doing that in the bowl itself or are you doing that prior to? In the pot. In, oh, in the, the pot. pot. Oh, okay, okay. So usually I'll, I'll taste it like the duck soup. Okay, it's blended. It's there. I taste okay. it. All right. Now, I'll, usually I'll take out like a sample, like a bowl, like an yeah. actual, my serving size. Uh-huh. And then I'll test, taste it and then I'll just keep adding it. And then I'll just test, all right, well, this soup needs maybe like 64, around 60, 40. And then I'll just do that in the big pot. And then oh, like I see, this. see. So you use like a small bowl to get the ratio and then you just yeah, yeah, yeah. the ratio. Ah, oh, that's, yeah. that's really smart. Yeah, so that's what I do. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, so that was, and then I did like a, a duck breast chashu. So it was like really like very duck heavy. So it was a, I, I took some like, katsuobushi and some kombu and i blitzed it with some salt and sugar uh-huh. and then i kind of and then i cured it overnight like the duck breasts and then i smoked it oh that's cool okay yeah so it was like really like it was just and then i and then i um just crisped up the skin uh-huh. you know and then and then that was and then that was just like a, a just pink like smoked duck breast chashu uh-huh. and i used that as a topping and i had like some um some shallot I, and like some obviously a little bit of grated garlic mm-hmm. just to like cut that fat and um some shiso which was great yeah I just think like that peppery note really helps to cut cut that fattiness and yeah yeah that was just a yeah what i did and then i i took some of like the aroma oil i made some aroma oil from like the fat that i skimmed from the soup and like oh. a little bit of like the rendered like duck fat from the breasts yeah yeah then yeah i cook some like garlic and some you know ginger in there yeah know, yeah standard stuff yeah that that was what i did yeah, that that was that was um. To I asked my friends what they thought about it, and they thought that it was um their favorite. Even though, like, it's it's interesting how how things go because usually, like, the thing that you may not be as proud of is the one that's most popular. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. and I'm sure you see that in your videos as well. Like, you might think like, oh, okay, um, this video, this is I'm super proud of this video, but it will only get like way less views and something that you weren't as proud of that you might have done earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, I've got a few I'm, questions. Here. All of my videos are. Um, I'm not so proud of them. I mean, like a week, a month or so later, because I learned, I learned more in the in that time period. Like, oh god, what was I doing? You know, like that's, yeah. that's my life. Going to be my life for as long as I'm doing this. But fair enough. Yeah. All right, I've got a few more here. So um, Matt asks again, how much time is usually involved in one of your typical ramen cooks? All right, so usually. I go about three days simply because of it's, it's not so much like three days straight of like me, like slaving away at the kitchen, but because a lot of it is hands off. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is just waiting. So like noodles, I have to rest. So like, that's a lot of waiting. Like the soup is a lot of waiting. So yeah, like generally like if I, cause I'm doing it myself and I, I generally like tend to like spread it out over, over a couple of days. So I'm not really rushing. But yeah. Like about three days. And, um, Cooking time really depends on what I'm making. So if it was like a tonkotsu, then I'm going to be cooking it for about like 12, 18 hours or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I did like the beef broth that I told you about earlier in the podcast. And yeah, that took about, that was like a 14 hour cook, like cook with heat. And then it was like an overnight steep with kombu. So it was about, oh. about 20 hours. You don't use pressure cookers at all? Generally, no, with your broth? Because oh. my, my pressure cooker is broken and it's too small. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah we just use like this huge stock pot that we have yeah, yeah that, that works fine all right what's my favorite style of ramen i've answered that okay what's the hardest part about making ramen i've answered that mm-hmm. 
you think of ramen making as a creative job? Oh, absolutely. It's just, it's very important to be able to kind of express what you want in that bowl, you know? When you serve someone, I think of it as like showing them kind of a reflection of who you are, you know? This is, this is an idea that came to me and this is what I want to show you, you know? It's, it's kind of like with art, you know, like that's, this is something that, that I've put a lot of effort into, I've put a lot of thinking into and it's like, I hope you enjoy it, you know? It's a, it's a real, it's, I, I think of it as very creative. There's a lot of there's a lot of elements of just considering how things come together and how how I can improve it and I think one thing that I've learned from like food research like researching and just like learning about food is like one advice was from uh, I'm I'm not sure if you've heard of um, Massimo Bottura. No, I haven't heard of him. Okay, he's he's like this. Um, he's the head. Sh- he's the executive chef of um Osteria Francescana in in Italy. It's like a Michelin star restaurant. This mm-hmm. this man gets fully booked. He has like a waiting system, and you have to book like months in advance. And, like, <laughs> oh, wow. the moment the tickets release for the month, they are gone. That's you know? crazy. Like, and, yeah, and he his I I got his masterclass, and what he one of the things that he he teaches us is that um that he how he thinks about food is that you have to examine food critically not nostalgically and that's super important especially for japanese food so it's always about kind of subverting expectations not not always going to i'm not always going to be like wow look at me you know i'm not like jacking myself off like like that you know yeah. it's it's just it's just uh you you kind of consider what you can do with what what you're making you know like in ramen okay i've got this 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 and this all right what are people doing in japan all right they're doing xyz all right how can I, how can i make it my own you know and um do i need to do it this way or every single time mm-hmm. so yeah that that's that's a huge part of it so like one thing that might frighten some some italians who may or may not be listening to this is that i add star anise to my ragu you know it's and that's a that's a very that's a very um it's a very asian thing to add like 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 star anise in a very asian herb spice uh, yeah yeah it's, it's a very Western. strong flavor yeah, so I, yeah. I just add one and I just fry it with the onions. And wh- why I do that is that it's it's got it's very it's got a lot of sulfur. So like using frying that with onions, which is also very high in sulfur, like completely boosts the meaty flavors. And that's why it's oh, using wow. stuff like pho. That's why yeah, it's yeah, using yeah. stuff like pho. It's it, it just intensifies it. So mm-hmm. I do that. And yeah, it's just a lot of with ramen. It's just a lot of thinking of how I can. I really like the idea of just putting what I've learned and like and just kind of um signposting with um my my own culinary memories you know it's 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 something that's really big for me yeah yeah okay let's see some other questions um if you're a beginner with no knowledge how do you get started trying to make ramen Uh, that's to be honest i'd probably start by looking at as many recipes as you can you know, like even, even the English ones, you know, like you got to start somewhere. Like that's, that's where we all started. Like I actually, you know, the first ramen I made wasn't actually Tori Python. I remember it's actually in high school. I, I made this for like my home ec class and we had to like make a dish with like a friend and I, I'm pretty sure I made a spicy miso and it was terrible. <laughs> God, it like my, like it was literally one of the worst things I've ever had. I, I all I did was I, I think I followed an English language recipe. So uh-huh. I, because yeah we only had 
an X amount of time. It was only about like a couple hours. So it's not like we could do very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I did like a spicy miso when that was like 14. <laughs> <laughs> what did you yeah, do? Was, they just got like miso paste and put yeah, some I kind got, of like, like a tochi- yeah, I, I t- uh, tobanjang yeah, or something I, in it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then I had like some, I had some like chicken stock or something, like some yeah, box, box chicken stock. For the box and some <laughs> dried, dried ramen noodles. And like, I just did like a soft boiled egg and like, a chashu that I just like fried in the pan with like soy sauce. My <laughs> God, that thing, that thing was, if I tried it today, I would not finish it. That was disgusting. Uh, I bet you yeah. ate it all though, because it's like, oh, this is pretty good, you know? Yeah, when I was that, that age, you know, I didn't, well, I, I knew what was good, but like I didn't really have that high of an expectation for food back then. Uh-huh. I just didn't really give a shit, you know? So yeah, that's, that's, that was funny. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> well, how did beginners <laughs> okay. get started? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look at as many recipes as you can. Um, YouTube's very good. Like re- there's a lot of really good YouTube recipes nowadays. Like check out way of ramen. Hey. You know? Yeah. Um, go on Reddit. Reddit's the r slash ramen. There's, you know, like the sidebar is pretty good. You know, um, ramen Lord's recipes. Fantastic. That's, that's, I guess those were like the, those are really quite they can be quite technical though so um yeah just another thing that's super important is just just go through the restaurants and see what you like you know like because if you don't enjoy what you like then what are you doing in the kitchen you know so if you like tonkotsu like go go have have a bunch of tonkotsu have a bunch of if you like miso go try some miso ramen you know maybe maybe if you have the money you know like go to japan you know try out what it's like back there you know it's just a real learning curve and you know don't be afraid to fail i failed on more than one occasion you know like sometimes it's it's just there's so much consideration that goes into it you know um the the soup it, ne- it needs to be like a certain thickness it, it might look like it's rich enough in the pot like when i made my tori python it looked pretty rich but then when i pour it out it was like water you know <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Just, it was, and you just need to yeah be wary of that don't don't be afraid to fail you know and just be ready to accept that, you know, you're not going to get to Sutta level or, or like Konjiki level on your first try. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I feel like everybody's kind of like 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 Neo in the Matrix, like, oh, I'm gonna make the jump for the first time, you know, but nobody yeah. nobody yeah. makes the jump the first time. So Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, like I think that's the most important thing for beginner, right? Going when going in with the right expectations that yeah. it's probably gonna be terrible. Yeah, uh, you know, if you keep at it, you'll get better and better. Mm. Yeah, super important to know. Yeah, yeah, just keep at it. It's the only way to improve. Yeah, that's all the questions I got. Cool, man. So I, I, I just want to ask you a couple more questions. We can kind of like close it up. But do you see sure. yourself opening up a ramen shop or something like that in the future? You're so young. I mean, you have like you you know more about ramen at 20 than probably most people ever will in their entire life i would say you know like uh, just the level of knowledge that you have about it and um you know so do you do you have plans to like do some kind of like thing in the uh restaurant industry yeah so well first of all i'll just pre- preface that i'm crazy and no one should ever try and aspire to like the stuff that i've spent so much time wasted so much time learning instead <laughs> of studying you know <laughs> like I'll, I'll literally be like meant to have an exam in two weeks and i'll be like hmm, sorry python <laughs> okay but anyway so with restaurants like that's a re- that's really tough because there's so much business 
the business side of things that gets into it, you know, like mm-hmm. my margins, you know, it's very easy for me to think, Oh yeah, I, I love food. Why don't I open a restaurant? Yeah, of course. But the thing is it's, it's easy to make something very, very good for 10 people. But once you, what about hundred people? What about a thousand people? You know that then it gets very difficult and, and not even that it just becomes as the the more time the more people you're serving you know like the more the more there is at stake with your margins the more likely you are to take shortcuts and it's yep. just it's so counterintuitive because in japan like you've got these restaurants like um uh mike met, um visited one which is like uh i think it's called like ramen lab q or something mm-hmm. in sapporo and it's like those guys use like eight different blends of soy sauce they like they from like different prefectures in Japan. Like it's ridiculous, you know. And like that kind of thing is pretty unsustainable in places like Australia or like yeah. in the US. I think, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. like first of all, there's not that there isn't that level of appreciation yet. You know, it's like you're feeding it to these guys that literally think their ramen is just noodles and soup, and it's it's and that's the biggest challenge for people, to, in my opinion, cooking ramen for a foreign audience. It's that they don't they're not coming in with the knowledge of japanese cuisine mm-hmm. they're just coming in looking oh it's just noodle soup i can do that at home yeah you know? yeah that's what i thought Very, when I first bowls of ramen yeah i could do that yeah. at home you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at us now yeah it's, it's it's um so yeah there's there's a lot of expectations there's a lot of associations and perceptions that you have to fight against yeah and, the, the russian business in general is pretty hard but i mean yeah like, but I, I mean, but you guys are getting twenty five dollar bowls, you know, a bowl. It's like that's a lot better than America, where you're getting fifteen, you know. Nah, yeah. Top top end restaurants are getting fifteen dollars a bowl around there. I think yeah. Kazel was charging. I, I can't remember how much he was charging at, at um, Ramen Shack, but I think it was kind of around fifteen to twenty, and people were like, "Oh, yeah. that's expensive," you know, like yeah, yeah it is because of that because, because of that attachment to instant ramen, where it's like this instant ramen yeah. is twenty five cents. It can't be, you know. Yeah, it's just like. The, we're doing something that's really special you know this takes time this takes effort uh-huh. you know and that's something that really annoys me it's that like i guess a lot of asian cuisine it's it's just meant to be cheap yeah know? yeah like oh you you go to a ramen restaurant you go to a chinese restaurant it's got to be under 50 dollars for four people you know it's but like for ramen like i'm putting so much effort into it you know like there's so much time that goes into considering how everything fits together and I think it's, it's, it deserves every penny. And even, and especially in Australia where sh- stuff is so expensive, you know, <laughs> yeah. in Japan, like ramen is like top end is probably like hundred, 120 yen. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. maximum. Like it's, it's pretty cheap back there. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, it's, it's nowhere near as expensive as it is in the West because bones are super cheap in Japan for some reason. Yeah. That's yeah, true. Um, yeah. Yeah. And well, ramen so, was kind of like food for the people after the war, like, yeah. you know, everybody was starving and so it's supposed to yeah. be cheap and filling so mm-hmm. i think they yeah. kind of kept that thought throughout the development of it so even like the michelin star restaurants are serving 17 dollar bowls you know something like that 15 yeah. Dollar bowl. yeah 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 so yeah and so like i i don't think that ramen would be as a restaurant would be good for me mm-hmm. in the sense that it's just it's so hard to run a small business <clears throat> but i was thinking like potentially I could do like pop-ups. Yeah, that yeah. would be a good idea. So like, there's I could use like another restaurant's facilities, and then they can advertise me, and then, and then like if if I do a few of them, then 
I advertise for them. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I, I get, I get like a cut. They get a cut. You know, it's win-win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like maybe like do something that like Mike's doing. You know, like you have your tickets. Like you have like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll sell two hundred tickets, mm-hmm. and I will have two hundred people come in, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And like after I, I'm done, that's it. Like that's, it's, I think that's it's pretty. As as a hobby, you know, maybe as like a side hustle or something. That's, that's that, that could be fun, you know. Like, but obviously, it's it's not the most secure thing if I'm going to do it full time. So yeah. that's I'm. It's not in my consideration right now. Is like how I answer how I'd answer that question. So yeah, I, I'm. And another thing with food is that I really like cooking for people and seeing their reaction. Like a lot of food is that I I can see that they're enjoying it. And then that's kind of more enjoyable than eating the food itself. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I agree. It's like, like it's, I, it's this. Yeah, it's. A I talked to Mike community. about that, and he said, "Like I told him, actually, I actually enjoy making ramen a lot more than eating it." And he's like, "Really? That's weird." <laughs> it's kind of like because he <laughs> he, he, just, he loves ramen just so much, like both sides of it. You know, like he loves eating it and loves making it, and yeah. but I I would much rather make it, watch someone eat it, than eat it myself. And like that's yeah. kind of completely how I feel too. I'd love both, but mm. I love both. Like I, I've always had like this dream of like, oh, I'm going to go to Japan for like three weeks and I'm just going to eat ramen for like every, pretty much every day. Uh-huh. And I just, I'll just learn it as much as I can. And I, I think that'd be amazing. But yeah, so like pop-ups probably, that, that'd be pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. That's how I answer that. Yeah, that's kind of like the tragedy of the people, you know, kind of like us, well, you know, I don't, I've, it's kind of generous putting myself into the same category as you guys, but like, you know, you have so much passion for this and you spend so much time and effort making something good, but the end consumer will never understand the effort that goes into it. And they would give, they're completely okay with eating soup, pre-made soup bases and you yeah, know, things like are. that, which are pretty Such good and good enough, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like that, that whole tragedy of that. I wonder if it that really is such a sadness. Yeah. I wonder if that, that can change in the future. It, may, it might change in the future because you know, I, I was talking about sushi in America where it was like California roll and those mm. the things. And now it's kind of like people eat Dragon all kinds roll. of different things. Dragon <laughs> roll. Yeah. yeah. Like, let, me yeah put a, like a, let me put a ton of mayonnaise on rice and, you like, know. Like like Philadelphia roll with like <laughs> cream cheese and stuff. Yeah. But, but like, now you know, it's yeah. changed a little bit. So yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. It has. It has. People are starting to get like the the appreciation for like nigiri, you know, like yeah, the yeah, more yeah, traditional yeah. styles. And you know, like, I think it's it's just a matter of that country's culture becoming mm-hmm. a little bit more prevalent in yeah. the Western society. So, like, you, you've seen it with the Italians, you've seen it with the French. It's Back true. then, when like in the early early like twentieth century, when like the Italians were just entering into New York and Brooklyn and stuff, like people were like, like, like everyone was just criticizing their food. Oh, it's too much garlic, you know, uh-huh. too much, too much this and that. It's too heavy. It's, it's poor people's food because they were immigrants. Yeah, yeah. Know? But then now look at it's look at Italian food now. It's it's, it's like it's, ubiquitous in America. It you know? is like it's absolutely American, yeah. Yeah, like you think New York, you think pizza. <clears throat> yep, you think yep. pasta, you, you think you know, like you think Chicago, you might think like deep dish pizza. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. it's it's very entrenched into American culture now. And you can ask like anyone, like most people on the street in America, and you just ask them like name three types of pasta, and they could do it. Yeah, yeah, easily. But then sure. like ask them to name ask them to name like three types of um ramen you know like three types three types of like top ramen maruchan ramen cup noodle <laughs> yeah like they it's, can do it's, that. it's just yeah it's just a matter of like yeah. that culture becoming a little bit more 
like prevalent and you can see it like people people are really starting to appreciate good quality sushi mm. you know it's it's absolutely happening it's it just takes time you know it'll cool. it'll happen you know I, yeah. I have no i have no doubt in it it'll yeah happen. yeah cool. do uh, this is like this is a terrible throw like last question so this is not going to be the last question but do do the restaurants in australia use those pre-made soup bases too that mike was talking about uh yeah, I, I didn't even know those things existed until like I started doing this podcast, and then everybody's like, "Oh yeah, everybody uses it." And then there was a ramen, like kind of like a pop up, but not a pop up. She just was like running, almost like a yatai kind of thing. This yeah. lady from Japan, and I was like, "Oh, I love making ramen," so I went to go talk to her and stuff. And I was like trying to sneak a peek what she was doing with her broth and stuff, you know, like because I was interested. She kind of blocked me, and now that I'm like in, you know, retrospect, like she probably wasn't she probably was using like those pre-made soup bases and stuff. Cause like, yeah. how can you have five different types of ramen in a, in a tent? You know, how can you have yeah. Tonkotsu ramen, shoyu ramen, shiwa ramen, you know, yeah. almost ramen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty, yeah. pretty difficult, you know? Yeah. And to have like in a, just, in a tent. Uh, yeah. A lot of shops here, like I, I, I would think that the soup bases, cause it's, it's very like the taste is quite similar. Uh-huh. It's just like, wait a second. This tastes exactly like that other shop, you know. And <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can never remember the other shop because they're all, they all look the same. They all taste uh-huh. the same, you know. It's it's got that corn, you know. <laughs> the corn. The tonkotsu. It just tastes the same, uh-huh. you know. And yeah, I I'd say a lot of them do soup bases because yeah, it's see. it's just when when you have a shop that does tempura sushi, you know, udon ramen. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, yeah. How good can you be at all of those things? Yeah, yeah. And that's it's hard that's enough to get that, good at yeah. one of them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It takes a lifetime to learn how to make sushi, you know. Yeah. How can you learn all five of those things, you know? And um, I remember Anthony Bourdain was talking about it on his show one time. And it was talking about why is this shop sh- selling sushi and tacos and everything, all this stuff at the same time. While I'm on the sushi, while I'm on this, at the sushi bar, there's, there's a couple next to me eating tacos. What's <laughs> up with that? And yeah. it was like, when, when, you see, when you see something like that, a restaurant like that, run away. Yeah, you know? yeah. There is no way that they are that good at, everything on the menu that's true yeah cool yeah it's super important to yeah no 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 stuff like that so i guess for the last question like what do you have planned for the next for 2020 we're kind of winding down 2019 like do you have any big goals or any kind of thing you want to try in 2020 or put out like ramen wise yeah or yeah or just life in general you graduate graduating college or something (laughs) you know ramen wise um i really want to um yeah, I've I've been I've been planning a few goals. You know, I've been thinking of like a like a chicken, like a like a tori python, but with like a fish element in it. Maybe like some sea bream soup. Oh, nice! Like that's pretty popular in Japan. Um, so with like some sort of um, like niboshi oil or something, uh-huh. and maybe like a, a tantan. Then I I really want to do that. Um, mm. but with uh, with the with the like a python, you know, stuff like that. I guess goals. I don't know. I, I I don't really like to think too far ahead. I I, I just go with. Um, I said small goals. I don't I don't really go that far. Right now, I've I've been doing a lot of like meditation and you know I've been watching a lot of like self help. Like this guy that my friend recommended, like Tony Robbins. He's a really yeah, good, yeah, yeah. he's a really good guy. Like to to watch for like self help. You know, like oh, how how do you how do you um improve your mood with like movement? So like um. You know, like a lot of stuff about like just improving my own like general like health, you know, uh-huh. exercise, you know, 
um, improving my relationship with um, my family or like with my, with my girlfriend or, you know, like stuff like that. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Especially like with my family. Cause like sometimes, yeah. Like with Hong Kong, I'm, I'm sure you know about uh-huh. it. Yeah. It gets a bit yeah. complicated. That so is... I'm not, not going to go in. I'm not going to go too far into it. But <laughs> sometimes like all I'm going to say is that shit gets heated sometimes. Yeah. Especially I can like with, with the older generation, like, but yeah, this, this is a ramen podcast, not <laughs> political. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I honestly yeah. don't know much about. I don't really watch the news, so I don't know much about it. But I do know that something is happening there that's not very yeah. doesn't look very yeah um, fun to be around. So Hot I can really imagine. Yeah, just found about just found out about Hong Kong. That shit sucks, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine I just, if that's where you're from. I can imagine you know, like that's your yeah. hometown technically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ramen's super popular in, in hong kong as well like oh. it's, it's a it's a huge thing there but yeah bringing it back to um perth i guess there's you know like bariuma no no like I that, don't know there's, there's like a chain from japan like they, they come to perth but like even even they use like pre-made like soup packs oh, i guess it's like, esen- <laughs> like a, like a, <laughs> essentially i've literally seen them do it like they have like a window kitchen i've literally seen them like pour it like a silver ba- uh, bag like into like a pot like yeah, they, yeah. they do it yeah. you know it's it's i guess it's they probably have like the centralized kitchen yeah yeah it's yeah. like ship, kitchen. ship everything out yeah mm-hmm. so it's technically their soup still but it is like they're not making yeah. it in-house you know? yeah yeah that, i mean you can that's one of the things that like mike talked about you know like once you have a chain it's it's just kind of inevitable that you're going to decrease the quality yeah so yeah that's just what true. happens cool man well this has been really fun we went yeah. an hour and a half i mean I think I think you were so nervous in the beginning, but you did great. I think it was a really yeah, fun thanks. podcast. So, yeah. yeah, definitely yeah. have you back on in the future. And I, yeah, that'd be great. I'd yeah. love to. Yeah, cool, man. All right, I don't have anything else to say. You have anything else you want to shout out to anybody? No, yeah. I think I've, I've done more than enough shout outs. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Mike will listen <laughs> yeah. to this and he'll appreciate all the shout outs that he got. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, like I talk to him a lot, so like it's just like he, he's a huge he's a huge help when I whenever I'm making anything. You know, I, I always message him, like about like, oh, what do you think of this? So, like, can you give me some advice? Like, yeah, he's 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 great, wonderful guy. <laughs> cool, man. All right, well, thanks, yeah. thanks everybody for listening. And this was uh, Andre here in Australia, just twenty years old, fantastic ramen chef coming up, up and coming guy. So check him out on his Instagram. What's your Instagram, by the way? Andre Key one two zero two. Okay, we'll link it up in the show notes if you guys can remember sure. that. Yeah. So I'll see you guys all in the next one. Once again, thank you so much to Andre for coming on the show. I had a blast talking to him. Please give him a follow on Instagram. It's at Andre1202, at Andre1202. Operators are standing by for your donations. Just joking. Anyways, if you guys want to join the conversation that we had, you can do so by leaving a comment on the Way of Ramen blog. That's where I post all of these episodes to get it onto Spotify, to get it onto iTunes, to get it onto Google Podcasts. Just go to wayoframen.com slash blog. You'll see the post there. You can leave a comment and everybody will be able to see it in perpetuity and you'll be forever remembered for leaving your two cents when the episode came out. Thank you guys all so much for listening. If you guys have any suggestions for future guests you'd like to see on the podcast, please hit me up on Instagram or send me email or wherever I am on the internet. If you send me a message, I will read it and I'll try my best to get them on the show. See you guys all in the next episode. Peace.